With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi-Williams, and this is the Everything's for Sale sports business podcast, The Sportacast. Well, not everything. Pieces of everything. <laughs> right? Pieces. Or should I say, pieces. Pieces, if we're going <laughs> Catalan, Barcelona. I never learned the... F- in my Spanish, you know, me neither. for those for those who do not know, I I mean, I guess I can still say I'm fluent. It's been a while. Años que yo hablado. Your de mucho. Is, very, que is, is very good. Yeah. Yeah. Very but good. it's been a while. I like I just said, it's been a while. I forgot a lot of words. You know, tengo que practicar. I need to, I need to practice. I did used to watch Univision. Uh, I used to watch Lucha Libre. Do you know what Lucha Libre is? The wrestling. Of the wrestling. I used yeah. to watch the wrestling just to get my ear. Uh, my minor. I was a broadcast journalism major in college. I was a Spanish literature minor hmm. in college. And you know, when you took foreign language, how your teacher would always say, this is the, these are the last words we're going to speak in English in this class, right? Every, they all said the same thing. And then the next day they're speaking English and then it, you just settle in. Well, freshman year, my professor said, this is the last English we will speak in this class. And that was the last English we oh, spoke. And no. I, I, maybe there were like eight people in the class. Seven were native speakers, native mm-hmm. Spanish speakers. I was the only non-native Spanish speaker. Uh, it was one of the more difficult classes I have ever taken. And we read Gabriel Garcia Marquez, Isabel Allende. Um, and I would say mostly because I understood the words, most of the words anyway. I understood the words when I was reading, but I didn't understand some context and cultural uh, cultural references. Sure. So that I kind of missed out on. Well, well, como se dice financial calamity in, uh, in, <laughs> in Espanol, Scott? I just say pobre, por. <laughs> <laughs> Barcelona necesita dinero. Y por eso se venden todo. Un parte de todos que tienes. I, I think that this is maybe the most interesting sports business story. Happening yeah. Right Luckily, we have Asla on the industry. case. And she loves to write about it. And she speaks fluent Spanish. So she she's on the case. But uh, I agree with you. It, it's a really, I say maybe in the U.S., an undercovered story. I think but not I, certainly I think in that's Spain. That's right. Certainly, if this was the Dallas Cowboys, which is maybe yeah. a, a fair comparison to what Barcelona is in European soccer, this would be a huge deal. The, the, the basic nuts and bolts for people who are listening that haven't 
haven't followed all that well. Barcelona over the past few years has spent itself way beyond its limits. It kind of came to a huge head last year when when Leo Messi, who'd been with the team, they, career, they had to let Messi leave. Right? Had to let him go because they did not have the money to pay him. They have over one point three billion dollars in debt. It's a bad situation, and the club has decided right now that the way it wants to get out of that debt is to continue to spend and continue to spend at a really high level and hope to get out of it that way by continuing to be one of the best, if not the best club teams on the planet. And my mother could have been the executive director of Barcelona. (laughs) I'll tell you that I I will. This is how she approached all the financial problems. I can spend my way out of you spending. So the way that they obviously have to do that because the one, they need money to, to spend. And also La Liga, the Spanish league has very strict spending caps. You can only spend a certain proportion of, of what you're already bringing in. They needed to increase revenue dramatically. And the way they've done that, Scott, is, is by selling off chunks of a whole bunch of the assets that they own. They spun off 25% of their media rights for the next 25 years, sold that to Sixth Street around $500 million. They spun off 25% of their licensing division, or sorry, of, of, their, of their content studio. They sold that in two chunks, one to Socios, one to Orpheus Media last week. Uh, they've spun off 50% of their licensing arm. They have not sold that yet, but they've authorized the club to go out and sell that if they want to, they are just fire sailing assets right now, Scott, so that they can one, make payroll and two, have enough revenue so that they can register their players. They, they kick the season off on Saturday and, and just a few hours before they kicked off the two biggest signings they had, Rafinha and, and, and Robert Lewandowski, neither of them have been officially registered to play for the club yet because they hadn't shown enough revenue. This Orpheus deal that came together on Friday, uh, that was the thing that put them over the top. So much really interesting happening right now with one of the most valuable and most recognizable brands in global sports. Yeah, I love the fact that Juan Laporta, the president of the club, was in New York recently and sort of, it, it was almost like a tour of, well, hey, you know, we are for sale. We, we are selling this and that. And uh, one of his main reasons for coming was a meeting over at Goldman Sachs. Hmm. Yep. Uh, you know, Goldman is out there syndicating, trying to get uh, investors in the club. Have already and, lent money, $700 yeah. million dollars to yeah, the club yeah, last yeah. year. Yeah. So, uh, it's, uh, yeah, like you said, if this was the Dallas Cowboys, everybody would be following the story. And and I don't think you're wrong. It is the equivalent. I mean, this is a massive global brand. By the way, it's all tied together. The success of the team is tied, directly tied to, uh, it's almost like baseball, see how much they spend. They buy the best players, they get Champions League, that produces more revenue. Imagine if they do this and miss out on Champions League, because it's always been like Barcelona, Real Madrid. Like, it doesn't always have to be both. There is a distinct possibility that they could miss out on Champions League and the revenue that comes with it, then what? <laughs> you know, Then what are we looking at? You know, it, it's, in essence, it's a club that if it had one singular owner, like we're used to in the US, you know, the rich person who owns the team, all right, different. But this is kind of a club owned by the fans. It's, it's not your traditional setup. And it makes the, I mean, it makes the, the ownership structure, it's, it's a great point because it makes all of this so hard. They are competing increasingly with teams that are backed by Petro states, right? You have PSG yeah. backed by Qatar. You have Newcastle, which will soon be on this class, backed by the the, the Saudi Arabian uh, sovereign wealth fund. Uh, there's so many, and some rich individuals also that that own some of these clubs. And we talked a bit about the economics here when when the Chelsea sale was happening earlier this year. But you're right, there are clubs like Barcelona that are owned under a very different structure, and it makes it very. It, it, you can't really dip into the into the richness of of the people who back you 
when you get into trouble and they're razor thin margins already at this at this kind of top tier. I think in the past few years, Barcelona has essentially spent a billion dollars and and made a billion dollars in revenue. It's, it's been pretty much that kind of even. So you're right. Yeah, the structure here also makes it really hard. And I do wonder if long term, if any of these teams are able to keep up with just because of this conversation we're having, if any of them are, are able to keep up long term with the teams that are owned by individuals. Come on, have you seen have you seen the profits at Aramco in the last quarter? Are you kidding me? No way can they keep up. The answer is no. Sure. And, and, and you know, that all the German clubs you certainly think of with, with kind of similar ownership structures that there's a few others in Europe. It does wonder, you know, long term what happens with these, with these big, big brands like Barcelona or, or Bayern Munich. Yeah. If somebody says, utters the words uh, windfall tax, the hands go up in Barcelona. Yes, we need to tax it more heavily so that we can compete on the soccer field. Um, there's a renovation coming to Camp New. There's a there's an RFP out there. Much needed as well. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, we saw that also, but you know, at Real Madrid, you know, very, working with Legends. Uh, Legends in on this as well. Um, going to be interesting to see. Oh, but I should say, sorry, Spotify, Camp New. Like that's that's the go. new thing. You're, look, you're looking, no stone at this point can go uh, uncovered when you're looking at revenue opportunities, right? So yeah, what, what else are we looking at? Can... Can you come up with anything where maybe five, ten years ago, Barcelona would never have considered, but now moving forward, that they'll have to? Yeah, I mean, you and I joked. You and I joked that, about yeah. this. But I, I think on, you know, maybe on game day, the morning of game day, um, we got to have like Lewandowski out there like with the car wash, right? <laughs> Half the team's out there with the sign saying car wash. They come in and you got to raise some funds, right? How about the Barcelona car wash? How far away are we from that? I mean, there was a time, right, where UNICEF was on the was on the front yeah. of the jersey, right? I mean, th- there's yeah. a lot of things, and 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 the naming rights to the stadium. I think there are a lot of things that maybe a lot of Barcelona fans kind of assumed ten years ago they would never do that they have to dip into. At th- at this point, Scott, I-, I think everything is on the table. It does also make me wonder because it's it's very clear that Barcelona is fairly desperate right now for this cash. How hard it is for them to drive kind of fair value in a lot of these negotiations. If I'm sitting across, let's just say I'm fanatics. And and there's 50% of this you need the money merchandising arm out there, and maybe I'm the only company out there that has the wherewithal and the interest in buying that. I, I, you're you're sitting in such a great bargaining position already because of you know the position that Barcelona's in. Are you saying Barcelona's a distressed asset? Is that what you're saying, Evan <laughs> I mean, Williams? Juan Laporta, the new president, <laughs> said essentially last year that the club was financially dead at one point. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's crazy to say that right now, yes, it's it's desperate times. And what they're doing right now could well work, and that would be probably great for the long-term future of the club. But if it doesn't, uh, you, you've made a very... I think it's higher risk trying to spend your way out of this problem than trying to right-size and then work your way back up. Where's Mark Murphy? Can he, get, can he teach them about a plan whereby you take $300, you send it to the club, I give you a piece of paper. And by the way, I don't even know if it comes framed or not. You probably have to frame it yourself. This is my... <laughs> maybe it comes wrong. Scott. <laughs> How about, yeah, how about rolled up with a ribbon? Like maybe, maybe that's what it comes, you know? You put it on and once a year, once a year, and I think this is this is appropriate for now because did you see the New York Times story on the investor meeting I at did, yeah. Lambeau Field? Okay, yeah, I thought it, you know it was, it's not nothing new, but I kind of like the sort of they they just raised. It's cool. And it, it was a nice time yeah, moving sort of in the football the season. Yeah, somebody said, hey, it's kind of like we own the place, you know, the, and you literally get nothing, but you get to smile and put a piece of paper up on your wall that says I own a piece of this club. It seems to me that Laporta may want to start to consider. The Green Bay Packer approach to, yes, let the fans truly own the team, just send your cash in. 
Yeah, it's interesting because because Barcelona, as we alluded to, is is already kind of closer to that yeah, model yeah, than, yeah, exactly. than a lot of the other a lot of the other teams are. One other thing that that jumped out to me, Scott, about this deal. So Orpheus Media just bought twenty four point five percent of of Barcelona Studios. Uh, the guy behind Orpheus Media, a guy named Jaume Roares, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He already has a financial relationship with Laporta, the president of Barcelona. He helped back his presidential bid a year ago. Uh, he's also the money behind Media Pro, which has a media rights deal. Uh, with La Liga, uh, it's certainly a lot of kind of interconnected web of people already involved with Barcelona and La Liga that are diving in deeper uh, by buying another stake of this of this studio. You're buying or selling Barcelona five years down the road? Where are you on this one? <sighs> I mean, they're playing Ooh, a dangerous game. I like game. when I can hear the I, wind I, of the I think exhale. I'm selling, and I think I'm selling not necessarily because I think they're making bad decisions now. I think I'm selling more because, as we discussed, I think that the ownership model just doesn't. It just does isn't facilitate yeah. enough money necessary to play in this pool as the other teams get richer and richer. It it is definitely tough, but you know who's getting richer and richer. How hmm. about the segue? Easy one, you know, because you can answer. Yeah. You know where we're going. Are you going to Are you going to Blaster Jacks? No, I wasn't going oh. to Blaster Jacks. No, I was going to go <laughs> okay. to Angel City. Oh, okay. <laughs> Karen Nortman, Julie Irvin, they're getting oh, richer and richer. There. Alex O'Haney and Serena Williams. Yeah, not, who, not a who bad else? time to be an early Angel City investor, Scott. <laughs> I mean, would that be a literal angel investor or just angel city? Angel, investor? angel thank investor. You. Yeah, I like yeah that. thank you. you know, getting in early on this one. Uh, what was Ohanian? Like he got in was like, what, a couple million bucks? And I he think, has 35% I think of the club. It was $3 million. If I remember correctly, it was something. It was certainly a single digit million and it was it was five or less. I think it was three. Um, and yeah, they, they raised money, Scott, which we wrote in a story on Friday uh, at a $100 million valuation last April. So they paid $3 million to get into the league before they had played a single game they were up over a hundred million, a pretty shocking uh, scale up uh, for the early investors, and I think a great sign for, for for women's soccer as well. I had two bankers call me, taking notice of the story, taking notice of the NWSL, and really just ask, say, "Hey, I, you know, can I? I want need to read your story. I need to educate myself before I can put clients into this. I need to understand the why." Right, because if you're looking at it right now as a straight up play on on revenue multiple, it doesn't pencil no. out. Yeah, it just doesn't. It doesn't work, of course. But what have they done? Where are they going? And again, these pieces that are sold at certain valuations. Here's a you know a bit of how you know how the secret sauce is made. They're very small pieces. This is not like twenty percent of the club. They're very small pieces. So yes, it still costs money, but it's not like somebody has to write the massive check because they took a big chunk of the team. So a few, a, a few things in there that I think are interesting. One, uh, you're right, largely NWSL. You're not investing based off where the revenue is right now. For Angel City, you very well may be close to that. I mean, the the business that Angel City has right now is obviously season tickets facing the way in the NWSL. They're averaging nineteen thousand fans a game, Scott, at LAFC Stadium. That's more than fourteen MLS, of MLS teams. MLS would take it. Yeah, the MLS team signed me up. Yep. They, they've played less than a full season. They have more Instagram followers than than I think 19 MLS clubs. They have 16,000 season ticket holders. That alone would would, would beat the the the, atten- the average attendance at at I think five or Probably six NBA teams MLS too. clubs. Yeah, they're 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 doing they're breaking the mold business wise. Of where uh, of where and NWSL teams are, and that's before I even mentioned probably the strongest part of the their business, which is the sponsorship. Uh, and, and they had committed, I think, seventy five million dollars. Sorry, thirty five million dollars of sponsorship over a few years before they played a single game. There's a lot on the balance sheet at Angel City that I think it can come close to supporting a hundred million dollar valuation right now. 
Um, I think the other thing which you mentioned in there, and, and the owners of Angel City are not, they're not shy about this. They're treating this like it's a tech startup. And that means raising what they literally what they call Series A, Series, and Series A round, B yeah. rounds, yeah. and it's just like a lot of tech. You know, it's small, small stakes. It's a lot of people. They have a, a hundred plus uh, investors right now, I think, which is certainly more than than, than than most teams in any of the major men's leagues. They're, they're definitely approaching things in a different way, and I think both the strength of the business and that tech specific angle help raise the valuation. Just the number that you see when they're raising this money. Two of my favorite things from South by Southwest last year, Alexis Ohanian was one of our guests and we had a nice discussion with him and Julie Ehrman about sort of the club, their approach to the club, where it's going. And Alexis told a great story about him pitching the investment opportunity to VCs, mostly male-led VCs, who I believe, I don't, um, this is now me paraphrasing, I'm going back to what I remember, who he said something like, yeah, we're more than happy to throw money at the cockamamie ideas because it's an idea and whatever. But given true data behind women's sports and women's soccer, the real opportunity here, like here's, here's the concrete data and evidence as to why you should, should invest in this, still didn't want any part of it and missed out on sort of you know, what, what we've seen on the upside. That was like one favorite part of the discussion. And the second part was an admission from Julie who talked about you, you said line items, you know. So if you're looking at sort of the financial uh, ledger of Angel City, they literally, this isn't like being cute. They literally have a line item to pay fines because they are. How do we want to say? Well, They've what's the right word? They're aggressive. They're <laughs> pushing the envelope. Yeah. Like there's a wonderful, and I and I mean this when I say there's a wonderful tension between Angel City and the new commissioner, Jessica Berman, and the rest of the clubs, like they are going to push the envelope. They want, they want things done their way, an aggressive way. They don't want conservative. They want things done now. And as you know, you're partners with the other owners, right? You kind of have to follow the rules. So for however many times they've been fined, there is now sort of a blank line item in the annual ledger for fines, because it seems that Angel City is just happy to go about doing things their way right now. And the NWSL is is out there right now looking for a 14th franchise location. They're going to yep. add Utah as the 13th. And you can bet that in all those conversations, the Angel City economics are going to be the first thing that gets shown, right? This, How this do is I do what that? you can right. do if you have a very successful NWSL team. One other thing, Scott, I'll mention on, on this topic, and we see this on the men's side, specifically in MLS. Anyone who's investing in professional soccer in the U.S. right now is doing so under the belief, and this is men's or women's professional soccer, doing so under the belief that things are going to increase dramatically. When Kurt Badenhausen does our valuations, he looks at your average revenue to, to valuation multiplier. It's 13x in, in Major League Soccer. I think most of the other men's leagues are somewhere between 6 and 8x. So if you think about, a let's say, $40 million valuation on Gotham, which we talked about, the NWSL team here in New York uh, last week, right? If, if you take a 13x multiplier, right, that implies like a $6 million of revenue. I mean, I do think that if you, if you take the MLS approach or lens of financing and thinking about franchise valuations, I do think it kind of makes sense where... MLS, where, where NWSL clubs are, right? Which is now, it feels like 35 to 40 million is, is kind of the rough floor, depending on who you are. And as we've seen with Angel City, if things are going really well, it can be significantly higher. But but if you think about 13X as 
the, the multiplier in MLS, the, the, the top men's league here in the United States. Um, if you apply that to NWSL, I don't think these valuations are all that crazy at all. Right. All right. Well, when we transition, sometimes we come up with cute, but I'm going to take my cue from the great Vin Scully. Sometimes it's better to say nothing, right? So this is our transition this time. Go ahead and explain. Yeah, so that, that's the, uh, for folks who don't recognize it, that is the walkout song for the Mets closer, Edwin Diaz, when he comes into the into into the game from the bullpen, uh, as many closers have done before him, including Mariano Rivera and Trevor Hoffman. He has a song that's playing. It is that song. It's called Narco by Blaster Jacks, Scott. And this thing has gone viral. You and I have both talked about it in the past Yeah, but we know, weeks. by the way, Tre- don't, don't, don't just go over it. Trevor Hoffman did Hell's Bells. Yep. Mariano Rivera did Enter, Enter Sandman. Sandman. Yep. But... I don't whether it's it's just the catchy, it's the trumpets, whatever. This thing, it's toe tapping. Like you know, I have no rooting interest in this team in this player. But if I'm going to watch a Mets game, I w- they better be up by one or two runs in the ninth inning because I want to hear it. You see all the fans break out their hand trumpets as it's yeah. going. Mr. Met and Mrs. Met get on the dugout. They do the same thing. And uh, Jacob Feldman, our colleague, wrote something on Monday at Sportico about this. It's obviously it's been a huge boon for the, for these two the, the, these two Dutch DJs. Blaster Jacks is, is is the group name. They released the song in 2017. It got it seemed like it was marginally popular back then. It is getting a huge resurgence now Should because I do every the time he pitches, it goes yeah, give some numbers. It gets it, it's, it right. essentially goes viral over and over again as the season. All right, goes here's on. the graph. Here's the graph from the story. Sportada. He noticed a spike in streams for the song in late July. According to data from Luminate, U.S. streams of Narco doubled in the week ending July 28th to over 200,000. But that was just the beginning. Last week, the song tallied 1.2 million streams, an 847% increase over the week that ended July 21st. As of Monday of this week, Narco was number three on Spotify's list of most viral songs in the country. That's all you need to know. It's amazing how this ha- and it made me think of and I don't know if you know this song the 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 song Begin uh, it's an Italian group that did it. it it was it came out in like 2017 it's a remake I, of a four season right, song I'm going to say no and now I dare you to dare you to hum it I, sing I, it I'm whatever not you got to do it. I don't know it um but the um it got viral because TikTok it, it just became a song that people were using in their TikTok videos and 4 or 5 years after the song came out it became one of the most popular pop songs in the world just because some other corner of the internet some other corner of the entertainment world had found it and it kind of got a second leg there that's exactly what's happening here with narco the the, the, the people the one of the DJs told Jacob it's like we re-released the song it's like they got a pop when they dropped it in 2017 and now Five years later, it's it's taking over the internet again just because some other uncontrollable part of of the entertainment world found it and people are really enjoying it. I mean, I think this is it. It, it says something about kind of the the virality and and the way in which songs and artists make money right now. Scott, the thing I want to ask you about though, I think this is great for baseball, right? Like th- this kind of stuff seems to be the kind of thing that a lot of people feel like baseball has been missing over the past few years. My son. The focus group of one and his pals, like wherever they go, if they're just getting in the car, like I'm standing there waiting to go and I see him pull out his phone and he's messing around. And I now I know what he's doing. He won't get he, he has a walk up into the car song 
and he will not get in the car unless the trumpets are playing. And then there's three or four idiots in the car and they're all playing it slightly off. To, you know, so it's like, you know, maybe they start at one second apart. Right. So I've got four of the idiots in the car all playing it at once <laughs> and and they don't stop and the windows are down and we're going. But that's the point. What is baseball learning How from this? That's that? the that's point. Amazing. Four focus groups. They yeah. all love it. They do. It together. They're joking around. Yes. What can we learn from this? Because by the way, Diaz used this song in Seattle. I had no clue. I know. Never heard. Yeah. Never never knew about it. And then he changed and he's, his pitching went downhill. I'm not saying there's a correlation, but his <laughs> wife was the one who said, why don't you go back to the narco song? Because you were a much better pitcher when you use that, right? And he did. And of course, now he's doing a great job and the Mets are winning and everything, everything's hunky-dory. But I'm with you. Like Moments like this. Can you, can you do this artificially? That's my question. What else can you do? What, I, I what do you learn? What's the lesson? I'm not sure. I do think one of the other groups, I think, that's done a great job here. I think SNY has done a great job. Yes. They are, they Did you a, see a, the black and white video? I didn't see the black. No, I didn't. But I, they have a guy I know that's walking out with him on the like they've done. Yeah, some well, really that guy's cool like a cinematographer. Match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have the the last game they did. So they're in the bullpen with with Diaz, and they follow him out, and it's in black and white. It's all that's, it's like full great. on movie, and then he hits the field, and it switches to color. So yeah, what what more can you do? So, I yeah, don't you know. You can't manufacture it, but but recognizing as SNY has done that there is yes. a viral aspect to this, and continually, almost every time he pitches, I feel like seeing a new video of the mascot, the fans, him walking out, different camera angles, things like that. Yeah, Th this is my takeaway, really Evan. Like what have I said forever? What have I said forever? That uh, if I'm an owner, the one thing you should never ever promise your fan base is wins. You cannot promise wins. You can't do that. What you can promise and what you can work toward is fun. You can promise atmosphere, not results. There is zero reason why there can't be, just like the Vegas Golden Knights and, and the siren, you know, the, the guest, a uh, Nashville, the guest anthem singer, people look for. You can come up with things that make the experience uniquely yours. Now, if the Mets are 20 games under 500, this guy has a 7.5 ERA, his record, you know, 22 blown saves. Does anybody care that he's coming out with the trumpets? No. So what? Think of something else. Think of something else. Make the experience uniquely yours that people will actually know it's you, know it's your venue, know it's your team and be excited about even if the team doesn't win. I think that's perfectly put. And and walkout songs and and batter music are just just examples of things that are built into baseball. We've known about them for a while. They haven't necessarily had the same virality, but but when you see it and you recognize it early and you can put some content muscle behind it, whatever it is, yeah, there's clearly opportunities there. Synergistic response from the broadcast network and the team. I've already said, by the way, you know what? What I would do. This is mine. I would get. The New York, I don't know, is it the New York Philharmonic? Yeah. yeah, who are, I don't, but whatever big band, Trump I don't know. What, the, yeah. But I, I am having them on hand until they get to play live. Yeah. Not the stadium stuff. I want them playing live. And high and That's what I would band, do. Uh, give it, give the them an entire section. I don't care about the revenue loss. You'll make up for it in moment. Give them an entire damn section. Get a, a, or, or, 
one game from now on, like $1 tickets to anybody who knows how to play the trumpet, bring your own trumpet, and we're all going to play this thing together at the right time. What about a giveaway? Every first first 10,000 fans get a very cheap, uh, like a Vuvuzela of sorts, and, oh, and he, oh, he's that's guaranteed to pitch no matter what. <laughs> well, that's like the old days where you could give bats, and you know you know what happened there. You're asking for trouble. You know that, That'll be the blown save and everything gets thrown on the field. You know, Let's keep in mind, this, these still are sports fans. You can't trust them. <laughs> <laughs> but if you come and you, and you can play, you're pre-screened. We know who you are. Come on in. Load the damn stadium. I want City Field full of nothing but trumpets for, for one game to give until they all get to play in unison. And I want the Guinness people on hand. <laughs> Most trumpets ever play. Whatever. Right? I love all right. It. I anyway, love it. let's finish it up with another fun thing. It's, it's all marketing, right? Yeah. Is there any more marketing than this last story where Kurt Bush this past weekend in Richmond? Now, I took a look and I'm trying to figure out, all right, I see it. His car and what was it? It was a Toyota Camry. His car, the design of the car was after one of the Air Jordan sneakers, the, the Air Jordan 11 Concord. I am not a sneakerhead, so whatever. But I thought it was a very cool story and interesting in what I think has been sort of a, a changing of thought. Uh, Michael Jordan, of course, owns the, the, the NASCAR team, but a little change of thought of, I don't see brand Jordan doing this, Jordan brand, um, 10 years ago, five years ago. I don't see that. But now they put the logo on the car and the car itself designed after a sneaker. I love it. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and there's a lot of folds to this. The, the, the team that Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan founded is, is 2311. 23, 23 yeah. being Jordan's number, 11 being Hamlin's number. And this is the Air Jordan 11, as you mentioned. So there's some there's some synergies there too. You're right. We've talked on the show a few times about the the, the kind of the changing ownership uh, the, the look of ownership in NASCAR and, and Michael Jordan is certainly one of those uh, Pitbull being another one. Uh, I know Floyd Mayweather was interested in racing. There's a lot of, 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 of particularly African-American and, and, and Latin business owners that are now buying into teams that, that, that were not doing so four or five years ago. And I think it helps. Yeah, certainly an Air Jordan car is, is, is maybe getting the attention of people that aren't typically watching NASCAR that, that, that might be interested in that, might want to share it on social media, might want to tune into to a, a, a race just to see it in motion. Uh, I, I believe they're doing two of these this year because there's a, a bigger financial partnership between 2311 Racing and, and, and Jordan brand. And interestingly enough, by the way, don't forget when you step on the back of someone's shoe and it comes off, it's called a flat tire. <laughs> So there's already a tie between the <laughs> sneaker and the car. <laughs> <laughs> this actually kind of made me think of, I, in, in my head, I was like, how often do sports team owners that have business interests elsewhere, how often are they kind of negotiating deals between their team and their prior business? It made me think of Quicken Loans Arena, which is now Rocket Mortgage Arena in Cleveland. Those are both Dan Gilbert companies, right? Dan Gilbert is the owner of the Cavaliers. So it's certainly not unprecedented in any way for... The own, an owner of a team who comes from a business background to negotiate or have some kind of business relationship between his or her team and his column or her A to column B. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Ab absolutely. Column A to column B. You know who we haven't had, by the way, speaking of NASCAR, we haven't talked to, to uh, our friend uh, Steve Phelps in a while. Let's have him on. Right. We should have Steve on. Just, you know, they've got a media deal coming up. We should. We a lot should of changes, what do you, what do you... new car. There's a lot of things going on in NASCAR that are really interesting. All right. Last word goes to. Edmund Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. Matt Whitehurst is our producer. I don't know if he's got any new noises, bells, and whistles for any, like, you know, Scott Bad Joke Buzzer or something like that. We can do that. Our digital media editor is Cora Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of what will soon become 
the Sportical Media Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.